Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we are two industrial designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. And we've been busy. We've been busy this week. It has been a busy week. Yeah, you you just got back from your uh, trip. You went to RIT. Rochester. RIT. It was great. Um, Yeah, I went up there for the Thought at Work conference. Um, So I was, uh, I did a workshop there. I did my uh, sketching on the fly. And I had to, I had to follow Jeff Smith. Oh, he's a he's a great sketcher. Yes, I mean Jeff Smith. I can remember. I I think maybe I've told this story before, but I can remember back to school, and he came to Virginia Tech and just like did some jaw dropping sketches. Was Jeff doing more of the the pastel? Does he use pastel or markers? He, uh, he wasn't using pastel. He I was, know he does a lot of traditional. Yeah, sketching. he was he was doing it on like the Canson paper, yeah. the the tonal paper. And um and so like, you know, he just like drew a, a really sweet spaceship uh during the course of his talk, which I saw his workshop. And then um and he's just like great, very very like captivating the entire time. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, and so yeah, I had to follow him. Um, I'm sure it, you did great though, James. It was it was a lot of fun, and the students uh, I felt were pretty engaged. Um, and yeah, the conference as a whole was a good time. I met a lot of great people, and you know me, I like my shout oh, outs. You got to shout out people. Okay. Oh, one one thing that was that was uh, it was a first for me was walking through the airport down the escalator and there was somebody holding a clipboard with my name that on it. That is pretty cool. That that's when you know you made Man, it. Man, Rochester famous. <laughs> and uh yeah, so thank you to Sam for picking me up from the airport. And then they gave all of us student ambassadors. Did they do this last year for you? Yeah, I think I had uh someone that was kind of like always there yeah. if I needed anything, we could yeah, talk to him about it. Yeah. So um, Akachi, who had actually come to Square One and saw me talk there, um, he was my student ambassador. Gave me also gave me some snacks. That's to, cool to keep my my blood sugar levels up. That is good. That's a good tip because I know there's students listening that are probably going to put on, or there's there's some people that do put on their uh, student run kind of conferences yeah. every year. Snacks is a good tip. Yeah, like just being like ready and accommodating. Like right. I also will say. Uh, Another good tip is battery storage, like an external yeah. battery, because I feel like I've run into oh. a couple conferences where I was a speaker and like, you know, you're using your phone throughout the day, like contacting, right. whatnot, and then you're getting close and it's like 3 p.m. and you got to, you need to charge. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have a battery. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I definitely like think about that because of how integral the phone is to my presentation i think i only had like 15 percent left like battery left thank god when you're doing your presentation while i was doing my presentation (sighs) thank god for like low power mode which is actually like it's pretty good at you know like giving you the i don't know a lot of life out of your last percentage of battery but um uh yeah, but it was it, yeah. So that was really cool. Um, but I, I have to I have to give a big shout out to um, Brian Brian Madden and uh, and Steve Caruso. So Brian was another speaker there. He was also an R- RIT alum. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Um, and he's like worked at he's done a lot of like retail design, and I think Steve does uh, Steve as well. Like 
he does um a lot of like uh booth design and things like that exhibition so so, so yeah, yeah both of them kind of in like the spatial design area the landscape um and they are both industrial designers went to rit and like really took me under their wing for the weekend because i you know i was a fish out of water i didn't know anybody there i mean have you ever been to rochester i've never been to rochester yeah. before so it was really cool to have some people just be like hey come along with us yeah you know, and there were actually some really awesome, like, I guess a graduate, another graduate of the RIT program had like, has started a couple of restaurants in the area and also this bowling alley. Oh, I went to the bowling alley. That bowling yeah, yeah. alley was so sweet. It was a fancy bowling alley oh, in Rochester. Man. I need to, I need to look up. It's like, got ping pong. It's probably got foosball. Bowling alley, Rochester. It's also <laughs> like a bar, restaurant. I'm going to, let's see. Let's see if we can get it. Radio Social. Oh, yeah. It's called Radio Social. If you're ever in the upstate New York area, check it out. Yeah. It's, oh man, it was such a cool place. Because I, I don't know, like, you know, I'm coming in, I'm coming in from the big city thinking what's going on in Rochester. <laughs> and, uh, and this place was just so, so sweet. It's like, nicely designed. Very nicely designed. Beautifully designed. Mm-hmm um space and everything uh so yeah rochester's got some got some gems up there it's a cool place um and then the other thing that was happening was they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of the meta project which is a project that josh owen i believe founded for the rit program which is where they bring in like a sponsor right to do a sponsored student project and a lot of times they end up making the things that the students design or at least like the winner yeah i'm trying to think i believe last year was sesame street yeah sesame so they, street they collaborated with sesame street and all the students got to go and and work with the the people there i don't know what they created i i don't remember the, the outcome of the project yeah I'm not... i know in the past they've done like a restaurant experience there's all kinds of stuff they've done it's a really cool student project yeah initiative and somebody that we've met um james polius who's uh who is also He's he's a great designer and he's a he's a meme lord, um, on uh, on Instagram. But he designed this um, block a block a texture, right? Block a texture for Arioware, right? Uh, and that it's like was kids blocks, but that, it's like really nicely designed. It's like they're kind of hexagonal and they it's almost like a desk toy too. Yeah, I, I would love a set of block texture. Yeah. So um, it's a really cool project. And I think anything that exposes kids to the industry and how to actually get things made and then how to present your work professionally, it's just like, it's an awesome opportunity. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, I got to meet Josh Owen and, uh, and yeah, I went to the exhibit for the 10th anniversary, which was in like downtown Rochester. That's awesome. So yeah, it was a, it was a full weekend. Um, but yeah, a lot of cool presenters. If you go to their website, the thought at work website, you can check out the presenters and go check out their work. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. And you came back and then we, we, we did a co collab. Yeah. Co-critique. We, we, we went hard. Uh, Yeah. We made some kids cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. We definitely, we didn't. No, we didn't. We Um, tried. Yeah. Um, We we were critiquing, I believe it was like a junior, senior level class. No, there's some graduates in there. Uh, yeah, so it was grads and seniors. 
Um, at and, Pratt. Yeah. So, so guy that that I met originally when I was l- working at Lifetime Brands. His name is Alvaro Uribe. He's got his own studio, his own practice, um, and he was working there, like kind of pitching ideas to um, Lifetime in order to, you know, maybe get some royalties, mm, things okay. like that. So he was an outside designer that I met. Um, but he and I have stayed in touch ever since. I've done a critique of another one of his classes before. Okay. Um, so this is the second time. And um, yeah, it was, it was cool. Cool it's, experience. It's always fun to kind of sit in and, and see how the students are doing. Right. Um, you know, especially since we do have a large student audience. Right. It's fun to like get into the get into the studio sometimes and you know just hang out with them for a bit yeah um yeah i i i love the way that he that he formats the whole project so the idea is is that he gives you an like uh, basically an area to design within so whether that be like kitchen or gardening or whatever and then he gives you a brand right and i think that that is like such a valuable skill to to learn in in like in school because I can only recall one project while I was in school where that was kind of the prompt and it was a very short project but I feel like after school that that's your job is interpreting brand into a product yeah and I feel like what students often miss is that brand can be used to inform your project yeah for sure like inform what ideas are appropriate for the brand Mm -hmm. and then yeah like it can essentially help you weed weed down or you know read through your ideas and yeah i think we had maybe one class as well where we had to take a brand and do something with it yeah i think like i think that's good to have those projects but i also really like just the kind of crazy conceptual projects that students come up with yeah but it's gonna have a balance i think yeah i think you gotta have a balance um, uh, especially when you're getting so close to graduation, I, th- I think like the crazy conceptual stuff like is great for your first couple years, but as you're getting closer and closer yeah, you to graduation, real, real world stuff in there too. I think it's just a strong portfolio piece to be like, I took this brand, I dissected it, I understood its DNA right. and I applied it to my product. That's a very good point. Yeah. Cause if you had a whole portfolio of s- speculative work, it's a little bit tough. To yeah. Get a job. Not saying it's possible, but. Yeah, and then right after that, you were like, I, I'm go- catching a train uptown. I did. I uh, went over to Reed's class at Parsons. Oh, yeah. Pratt and Parsons in one day and helped Reed do some VR demo. We actually were using the Quest. Mm. So Reed has a Quest. You have a Quest. We all have Quests. Oculus <laughs> Quests. We're all on a Quest. Yes. Um, and yeah, we got that running, which was my first time doing the Quest uh it presentation because usually i'm doing the you know you have a bunch of cords you have sensors right with the oculus rift and you have to have a huge computer to yeah. run the thing and so it's pretty complex um and the quest was i wouldn't say it was easier but it definitely was a lot less pieces like a lot mm. i could carry it in my backpack right um, why wasn't it easier there was still a bit of trouble like so the way that you can stream with the Quest is mm. you have a Google Chromecast, I think it's called, oh. and you plug it into the TV, and then from the Quest, you can stream to the Chromecast. Gotcha. Um, but connectivity was kind of shoddy. Mm. So it was, we got it done, but it's fun to try out the, the yeah. new, new technology. I mean, what's crazy nowadays, 
how we can how fast it's going right and i feel i kind of feel like vr has picked up a lot of steam like in the past couple months especially with the quest release Mm -hmm. so i'm i've been excited about it and the the students were excited about it. why do you say that what what makes you think that i mean you know it's just well you know i've been doing the vr thing yeah and I, i will say like the past month or so these vr videos that i've been posting on instagram have really gotten a lot of views mm. i mean they've been reposted a lot right um and so it's really interesting just to see and the these are the vr videos where i'm superimposing myself yeah into gravity sketch so it looks like i'm just sketching actually in the air right which i think is not really how it works but it, right it's the best way to convey it visually right? i think uh yeah i think the new the way that you have formatted the new videos makes it just like a lot more compelling and captivating because because you are just sitting there right it looks like future crazy stuff which it is like it feels futuristic when you are actually in vr but there was never a good way to really show it right until now where i figured out how to green screen it in yeah um it's pretty wild it's it's crazy i mean i mean i have videos on my account that you know 100,000 200,000 views but the ones that get reposted have like a million views. Damn. It's it's crazy. This is like I I feel like this is future Bob Ross. <laughs> what you're Ooh, doing I here. Could do, I could do some Bob Ross. I could start doing commentary on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you take the quick little small little uh, brush and you you paint on your your chair. Yeah. Um So yeah, I don't know. I I think VR is it's it's starting to get some steam and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um sweet. Oh, I've also been doing a new technique, especially from our last episode. We talked about getting in the flow. Yeah. Um, and there was some chat in the Discord. I believe Dave had uh, uh, Ladowski. I can't Dave remember. Dave Yosef? Uh, it was another oh, Dave. But, oh, another Dave. Um, Dave had suggested doing a kind of journal task technique. And I started looking into it and a few other, other techniques. And I decided to start tracking everything I do every hour and i've been tracking everything since past week or so right um so yeah here's my little sketchbook if you're on the youtube you can see it uh but i have my left side of my sketchbook is my done list so i just write down the hours of the day you know 8 a.m through midnight yeah and then every hour i write down what i did what's this line pick my butt no what oh Oh my god God. this is a podcast i can't see it It doesn't say that (laughs) it doesn't say that um so you got left page is your done list and right page is your to-do list. Mm. And it's a daily to-do list. Because last time I talked about how, how I have my big whiteboard to-do list, which is like right. my infinite to-do list. Yeah. But I really like the daily to-do list because I can actually feel accomplished every day. For sure. So I've been experimenting with that. I feel like maybe I need a little more time to cook on that to give you some thoughts on it. But That's cool. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, that's some good news. Good news. Good solid week. Um, design news. Uh, this was kind of, this is not necessarily, it's kind of designed. It is, it's designed. Uh, Banksy, famous street artist. I'm sure most people are aware of Banksy. Um, he does like stenciled art, definitely kind of an activist of sorts. Um, decided to make his own houseware brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's called Gross Domestic Product. And, of course, it has that Banksy style of being kind of, um, you know, cynical and 
uh, I think one of the items is like a baby mobile, but instead of cute characters, it's security cameras. Oh um, yeah. So it's you know it's classic Banksy. Mo yeah, not a mobile as not a baby mobile as in like a tiny car. But no no, mobile. Like, like how do you say it? Mobile right? Yeah mobile, but it but it is the same as mobile. It's the dangling thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, a mobile and a mobile can get confused. <laughs> the English language, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's interesting because, you know, there's a few artists that kind of cross over into the industrial design world. And right. Like seeing Banksy cross over into this is quite, you know, it's it. He definitely has his Banksy style. And one would argue that it's probably more art than design. Mm-hmm. But it still is like actual physical products that you can buy that he's making multiple of them mass producing them yeah and they are priced appropriately they're priced as if they were housewares right like i i did try to purchase the clock so you can't you have to like apply to purchase because obviously why yeah because obviously you can't like the website would break if everyone tried to buy stuff right because banksy is like the most famous yours yeah um but you also have to put in at the end of the at the end of your application, you have to answer the question, does art matter? In classic Banksy fashion, you know. And like, as in like a short answer? Yeah, like, it's like in order to be Or is it just like selected, yes or no? No, no, no. It's in order to be selected. Um, well, I think it's phrased like, hey, if we actually have too many orders, obviously they're going to have too many orders. Right. In order to be selected, please leave your answer to this question. And so you have to answer the question. Does art matter? Okay. So how much did you write? <laughs> I wrote like one sentence. <laughs> you know, a man of a few words. And you're like, yeah, sure. I think it does. Thanks. <laughs> I try to get my most witty Banksy response I could. Nice. Um, I don't know. It's it's worth a look. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So a little announcement time or announcement segment here. It is coming closer to the end of 2019. Yep. And that means that it's time to do our survey. Last year we had a survey where you guys were very gracious and gave us your feedback on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And answered a bunch of questions. And it was really helpful. So we definitely appreciate it. And we're going to do it again. So go to our website, matterdetailspodcast.com. You can find the link there. I think I'll probably put the link in the Instagram as well for a bit. Um, but if you do the survey, James and I are going to give away one of our bottle openers. Mm-hmm. So we'll, there's going to be two winners, and then one of you will get one one of mine, and one of you get one of James's. Ugh, what if they? What if they both want yours? <laughs> what if they both want yours? Oh, All right, they don't man. get a pick. It's going to be random. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there will be a prize. So go and do the survey, and it really helps us out. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and then also buy a pen, guys. I forgot to go grab one for the YouTube. You video, know what but, it looks like. You know. Wait, how do we how do we gang sign for for the doctors? <laughs> um, yeah, the MDs, yeah. MD crew. Um, buy a pen it helps out the podcast. Again, you can find that on mydealspodcast.com. And then, of course, you want to thank our partner, Let's Design Daily. If you aren't following them, they are a uh, design instagram and blog that posts great design work um daily 
So they are what they say. This is not it. Well, James is yeah. James mistyped something, but uh, uh, <laughs> here we go. That's it. Yeah. So Les Design Daily is always posting great work. So support them because they support us. Um, but yeah, it's time. It is time, time for, for the topic of the day. The topic of the day. <laughs> man, we need a soundboard. Oh man. Oh, I think if I if we got a soundboard, I'd have to keep it on my side of the table because oh, I, I know you would just be come clicking on, buttons all man. the time. <laughs> I can be reserved. Uh, we should we should actually kind of look into a soundboard. Yeah, that'd be, come on, that'd be pretty cool. Go 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 go. Just topic <laughs> of the day. Um. So what is it, Nick? <laughs> well, we wanted to talk this week about modular design. Yeah. And you had kind of messages to me and was kind of questioning, like, what is what is good modular design? What is bad modular design? What even is modular or design? what attracts us to modular design in the first place? Yeah. Because I, after our critique yesterday, there is, I feel like among all students, there's always and and maybe just people in general designers in general we're always trying to like see if we can sneak in some modularity right into a system or make the whole system about modularity because you look at something like a kitchen tool and you go all of these have the same handle right why not just have one handle it's perfect it's a great idea yeah let's do it yeah right (laughs) And for some reason, like, yes, we are attracted to these ideas, but they never win out. And it's like, it's hard to say like why exactly, but most of the time they just, they just don't, they're not the idea that makes it to the end. And I feel like there are actually a lot of good reasons why. Yeah like for particular items, but there are items that do that are modular that in which modularity works in their favor. Yeah. Um, I definitely understand the entire idea of being in school and wanting to add that modular aspect or that, that dual functionality. Cause I know dual functionality or like multifunctionality. Oh yeah. Kind of goes along with that. Yeah. I feel like that's a common like young designer thing to do right and i definitely did it and i still kind of do it yeah to some degree but i've really been trying to pull back on it right um and i don't know why it is is something that we think is valuable and i feel like maybe it is valuable in some circumstances or is it just the pure like novelty of it that's the thing it's like is it novel or is it actually valuable right um yeah, I mean, I think there's like some good examples of modular design. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the thing that comes to my head is just IKEA, right? And you know, maybe it's just because it's it's like accessible and you can easily go back and get another piece, right? Um, I had these like IKEA. I guess it's like a shelving system slash drawer system. I think it's called the IKEA Aket. Yeah, that's what what I got up right now. Um, so if you're watching on the YouTube, you can you can see that it's super simple. It's just boxes. Like it's a cubic foot and it's a shelf. Like a, yeah. cu- a cubic box. Um, and but then they have like one that's like a two by four and it's like a drawer. I wonder if the reason that this works is just like 
the pure simplicity of it and also the fact that it's it's this thing that you install and then you leave it alone like yeah. when it comes to like tools and or or kitchen i because well well now that i'm thinking about it it's like you can get kind of like those screwdriver sets like like that's kind of a modular design like the whole like interchanging the the tool bits right and and uh like even with drill bits you can you can have like your whole case of drill bits right but i don't know why it is that like if you go into a kitchen if you saw a similar system you would be you'd be turned off by it maybe i think part of the the issue well the thing the thing about the ikea stuff yeah is you set it and it's done you set it and forget it so it's it's modular in the sense that you kind of select it like right. it, it fits every space yeah but it's not modular in the sense that you can re like you're not going to rearrange it every week. no like i bought these you know a cat cabinets and two years later the exact same like right. I, I still have it set up in the exact same way yeah i mean i could change it if i wanted to but it's it already fits in the space that i'm in i haven't moved spaces so right um yeah i don't know what it is maybe it's like you know, when you think about tools, I think actually, I think modular systems and mod, like multifunctionality is good for someone who is an infrequent user. Mm. So, you know, if you are, uh, you know, just doing some random home improvement. Right. Stuff that doesn't happen, but every other month. Right. That modular screwdriver will be helpful like you can go and you can swap it out for that one screw you have to put in yeah 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 but if you're a woodworker or a handyman you definitely don't want to be swapping that thing out all the time yeah so i wonder if it's like a frequency of use type of right that would make sense because it would just reduce your productivity and i think the idea i think maybe that's why the idea of the like the kitchen tool modularity idea doesn't it doesn't succeed is because kitchens are frequently used and the market that it is infrequently used is much smaller than it would be if it's like a tool or something right i do think though i do think there are some more obscure kitchen products like the magic bullet (laughs) are you familiar with the magic bullet i'm familiar with the magic bullet it is the famous blender that has been Posted on QVC like a gazillion oh times. Oh my god! Home Shopping Network. I when, used to watch this infomercial. I me used to, too. I used to wait for it. I did too. It's isn't that weird? Like I was a kid and I would watch this infomercial so many times that I knew like what they were gonna make next. Yeah, I knew it was omelet time, you know. And then they went to smoothie time. I mean, this was like normally at like two or three in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this. Was, this. this was like you after you couldn't sleep, so you like flipped on the TV. Yeah. This yeah. was after watching Adult Swim, like the anime block, and then Magic Bullet would I'm, come on. I'm glad we share this experience, James. Um. And so, yeah, I wonder if can we get? I just like remember some real some real characters in this commercial. Oh yeah, there yeah. we go. It, it's there the act, she is. The actors what? really make it funny. Look at the ash. 
size. Like this Sorry, woman has at, a cigarette in her mouth. We're watching the infomercial. The, the old lady has a cigarette dangling out and the uh, the ash on the cigarette's like two inches long. Yeah, it's that's preposterous. That's going to get in the bullet. This is like, a different you don't, time. You don't want this is a different time. ash in the bullet. But yeah, this this was like the greatest infomercial of all time. I bet they have the entire thing on YouTube. Oh, for sure. Um, but anyway, we digress. But yeah, it had all sorts of attachments to it. But I don't know. But but that's the thing is like, so I was I was thinking about this the other day actually, because I because there's there's this category of product that is like the QVC infomercial product. Yes. And the reason that it sells is because there is all of this time to explain and sort of entertain. Right. Whereas one of the things that you find out about customers is that like they spend an average, like when they're, when they're going through the supermarket or whatever, or Bed Bath & Beyond, they spend an average of maybe like one to three seconds looking at something, trying to understand what it is, trying to understand how it's valuable to them. Right. And if they can't make sense of it, they're not going to buy it. I mean, the, the interesting thing is it's changing a bit, especially with Amazon being the main, you know, for, for a lot of like commodity products. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone's going to go to Walmart. Well, people do, but go to Walmart and buy a blender. People are probably going to yeah. do that kind of product searching on Amazon. Right. Which does get back to the infomercial point of like, well, now people have a little bit more time. Yeah. You know, they're sitting at their computer. They're probably going to not. They're not probably going to spend three seconds on it. They're going right. to read the the details of what it can do. Yeah. The the nice thing for UX UI designers is that a lot of times their products, when you boot them up for the first time, you get this like little tutorial that you walk through yeah. in order to understand all the features. And it's like once I, I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about the future, Nick. I'm future casting. All right, let's hear I'm it. Will I am over here. All right, I want to hear it. AR glasses, when we, you get a new product, the AR glasses are going to lead you through That's all of the features of your product. So I feel like there's there's all this talk within design of like customers won't understand that or like like that feature is useless because they'll never use it. Well, or or that feature is useless because it's not it being it's not able to be communicated right. in those 3 seconds or 30 seconds right. of the product description or whatever. Yeah. So I think once we get into the AR world, then it's going to be a game changer in terms of like people's understanding of a product um, when they purchase it. But uh, anyway, I digress. We digress. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely many examples of these QVC things. I think, uh, what does QVC stand for? Because I'm sure that we're losing people when we say QVC. QVC it's a it's a shopping it's a channel specifically Qual made for what infomercials qvc because it's like it's like a bunch of old people watch keep well maybe not old. quality value <laughs> okay, convenience that's, that's, is that really what it stands for yeah that's weird because there's like hsn home shopping network like okay. that makes sense but quality value convenience interesting didn't uh what's the guy's name from dirty jobs Steve Rowe. Steve Rowe started on QVC. No way. He like was like a late night QVC guy. Yeah. Um, um, great, great times. But, but if you are familiar, it's like essentially a TV channel specifically for commercials. Yeah. Essentially. It's just selling you stuff. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, 
Yeah, there's like there's all sorts of videos and memes from QVC yeah. stuff. But yeah, it's basically like some of it is to sell the more gadgety things, but there's also a lot of like celebrity endorsed products. Um like celebrity like like minor celebrities will come on to like sell some like bedazzled sweater that they've designed. <laughs> like Rachel uh, Ray's new sweater. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so um so it's like it is like it's a live infomercial. It's like an hour long live infomercial. People call in and they're like, Oh my God, I absolutely love this product. <laughs> like, you know, you are the best. I think we should I'm gonna post up the the infomercial for the magic bullet and i want everyone to go watch it yes um but uh-huh. i know like when i was a kid we bought a few of these like crazy you know modular multifunctional things right i feel like we did use them though like like i th- for how long so the one that i remember that we got was the total gym oh yeah I don't know if you remember that oh one. we had a total gym it was you know it was some sort of exercise equipment that had these rails and on top of the rails had a sliding kind of platform that you sat and then there's pulleys that you could arrange in infinite amount of ways or at least that's how they marketed it it's like i mean here it's it's bicep curls it's tricep curls it's like legs you know you can do whatever exercise you want it was the total gym as they say i mean we did you you use it did you use it i did use it a little bit it's actually i would say that of the like infomercial products it's probably one of the more robust yeah and like it is probably actually like a good product like it is probably a good piece of fitness equipment yeah but when you've got chuck norris and christy brinkley Wait, chuck, as your spokespeople chuck norris was the spokesperson chuck norris the texas kung fu master everyone knows chuck norris right and yeah i mean if you don't walker texas ranger come on i feel yeah. like if if you don't know who chuck norris is you probably don't know what this podcast is either no probably not and then christy brinkley um you know former supermodel she's also in like the holiday the national lampoon holiday movies um but it's uh they i mean when you have a team like that they're gonna those products sold like hotcakes yeah do you think i i was thinking about this do you think these multifunctional and modular things sell more in america as opposed to in more of the european Mm. setting well i think because the thing i'm thinking about is okay you know why is it that consumers like multifunctional modular stuff yeah and the answer that pops in my mind is it just seems like there's more value there right it's more bang for your buck yeah you know you pay twenty dollars for something that can do three things instead of paying twenty dollars for three different items right um and i think that's a very like i think america definitely has that very value-minded right like consumer i feel like we also just like love a good salesman yeah you know when it comes to these kind of like qvc or like infomercial things like we love a good sales pitch and i don't know that like europeans are really into like the sales pitch yeah you know like because because for us i feel like it's it is like this this like acting like comedy routine that like that like lures you in. it's a bit of entertainment yeah it is entertainment but I think the thing that, you know, 
working in the kitchen, like having worked in the kitchen tools and gadgets realm, the thing that you find out about modularity is like, it just doesn't aid in the cooking process. Cause like the cooking process is just this very like messy, like, Oh, I need to grab that. I'm going to put that down grab that. Like, and you just want your tools to do one thing really, really well. Yeah. Instead of like trying to do a bunch of things like relatively well. And I feel like also it's a thing of where I think we talked about this before, like the whole like cinder block thing. It's like you think you want these gimmicky things because they promise to do more with less. Right. Or for, you know, whatever for cheaper. But eventually, like you, you just want quality products around you because it just you know, psychologically makes you feel better when you're using the tool. If it's really designed for an explicit purpose, it just feels better. It's like the whole experience feels better than something that's, that's so gadgety. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely if it's going to be frequently used, modularity and multifunctionality maybe isn't the best way to go. Mm -hmm. Do you think, cause again, you know, I've been working on the familiarism document, and a lot of that is a little. You were about to say documentary. Documentary. I was like, what? article. Wow. Article. <laughs> Nick. Um, a lot of that is a bit multifunctional. Mm-hmm. You're combining things. Creativity is a lot of combining things. Right. Like if you want to come up with a creative idea, you take two things that are that no one's ever thought about, mash them together. Yeah. Or two things that are people have thought about, but never thought about mashing them together and you come up with something, something new. And I think a lot of times that thing has both elements, which in turn occasionally means it's multifunctional. Right. And there's some novelty there. And I feel like there's some innovation there, but I don't know. I mean, the the other example we we were looking up was the Google phones. Right. Well, what I was going to say to that is uh, from working, having worked at Quirky, yeah, um, which they did attempt a modular kitchen uh, gadget, which was this kind of like spatula. What was it called? Stand. Uh, click and cook. <laughs> you got to love these. Oh, these yeah. <laughs> and so the whole idea was to like, you just had one handle for all of these right. things. Right. Um, and it had this like spring loaded action so you could just like shoot off the head <laughs> that you'd stopped using. It's like, it's like if your plane's going down, mayday, mayday, pull the ejector pin and then you just <laughs> But uh but yeah, I mean um the thing that I found while I was there and we were working through all these ideas that people were submitting, there is this really fine line between innovation and novelty. And I feel like true like good innovation while it may combine things it combines things in a way where it's not obvious that there's a combination Mm, you know that's really good i like that and like i feel like when it comes to novelty you get things where it is pretty obvious and like as a consumer i wonder if people are like what like they they don't think that i can see that they're trying to like combine these two things right yeah idiot yeah like i i don't know so yeah um well i also want to just touch on the google phone oh yeah the google phone because this this has the 
again, that feeling that everyone thought this was a good idea. This is the Google Phone Ma- Aurora, I believe it was called. Yeah. Um, or A-R-A. A-R-A? A-R-A. Yeah, Project Aura. And there was a there's a few there's other a whole Wikipedia page for it. There's a few other kind of initiatives around like modular phones. I think one was called Phone Blocks, but essentially the premise is, hey, instead of buying a new phone every year, let's just buy this modular phone with, you know, Lego blocks on the back and yeah. you can not not actual Lego blocks, but you can pop out your storage if you get too full, put in a new storage, your processor's slow, put in a new processor, you know, your battery's shot, change the battery. And yeah. so on. And it seems like everyone feels like, yes, this is the right answer, but there's a reason it didn't go forward, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm sure there's many technical reasons, like just phones are difficult to manufacture and separating, right. separating all the pieces out into modular chunks would be, uh, quite difficult and certainly, much more bulky than what we yeah, have. Yeah, I think that was the big the big critique that I saw. I mean, this this Wikipedia article kind of wraps it up in terms of the reception um, and says like potential issues are the trade off between volumetric efficiency and modularity. So yeah, size and weight, um, and then the modularity. This this says this speculates that the modularity would create. A uh, difference of twenty five percent, less than twenty five percent in size, power, and weight of components, um, and yeah, like I think it's mostly the thickness, but also they they cite the FCC and just like getting approval for mm. all of this stuff. Yeah, so I think it's yeah, it's the difference. I mean, essentially, for a product, for a lot of things, you're just getting one thing approved. Right. Whereas this is just like <laughs> you have this to get every single piece approved. Yeah, this yeah, collection yeah. of things approved. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting and cool idea, and maybe, maybe it will be feasible in the future. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I also don't know if people would enjoy that as much as they think that they they do or that they would i mean would you want to just like buy pieces like what do you do with that piece that you swap out yeah and, and that's a good point i think it does kind of roll back to the the topic or the the idea we're thinking of is like if it's an everyday use item then it's probably better off being like the best it can be and right. not being some sort of hodgepodge of stuff right i mean would you rather just like take it into like could you take it into the shop and just like have somebody like look under the hood, change out some parts. And then you have like, I also feel like just having this kind of holistic device, this, this completed device probably just feels better to most consumers than, than this composed right. composite thing. I'm not sure. It's interesting. This is all speculation. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as always, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts in yeah. the Discord or if you guys had any have any thoughts, especially if you've worked on like a modular or multifunctional product before. Yeah. Wasn't like, your thesis a modular yeah, design? I tell you, man, I was all about it. I was all about I'm still kind of I'm I still ride that line and sometimes I fall into the novel novel side of it. Yeah. Which I don't I don't think that's bad. I think it just, I've definitely been trying to hone it back into being a little bit more refined. Mm. But yeah, my thesis was doing modular furniture. 
not necessarily modular furniture, but furniture that transformed into the castle. Yeah. It's like puzzle piece cushions. You can build it. Kids could build. I think the thing is about like novelty and modularity or whatever it is, like, you know, thinking, thinking about that story that, um, you know, the player piano, like this idea of like this absolute novelty of the player piano. I don't know what this is. You know, you know what a player piano is. Is that the one that plays automatically? Yeah. Oh, it's like a ghost piano. Yeah. So okay. like back in the, the keys move. Back in the day, they came up with these machines. It's basically like a giant music box, and you had like rolls of paper that would go through to to get the the different keys going. Interesting. Okay. And so this absolute novelty, like. I saw this video and it might have been from the series like everything's a remix um but that this idea actually like you can trace the computer chip back to the player piano. That's a good point. Like just because something is crazy and novel and maybe this multifunctional like you know abstrosity, ab- abstrosity, what am I saying? Abstrosity? Is that a word? <laughs> I don't think that's a word. That's that's a novelty and that's an innovation, <laughs> that word right there. These things can lead to better things. Yeah. Right? I think like you can you can almost think of these things as mutation yeah. when it comes to evolution. That's a good that's a good point too. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I, I don't know. I would never discourage a student from like pursuing a modular thing because the thing is is that you never know what solution a completely naive student might land on oh yeah they come with some great ideas and so i i would not want to stunt stunt them in terms of like pursuing something especially if they're passionate about it yeah um like see it to the end because they might do something remarkable yeah definitely so anyway uh yeah let's know your thoughts uh, you can also send an email to minor details podcast at gmail.com oh yeah and if you have any questions Send that. Send your questions to Minor Deals Podcast at Gmail as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a voicemail one six four six four nine four forty eleven. I think my dad sent a voicemail, but <laughs> well, that's not a weekly voicemail <laughs> from the Wishful Farmer. Yeah, he likes it. He, he's he does do good on the voicemail, so I appreciate yeah, your voicemail. He, is, he keeps up. Uh, but this week we wanted to take a look at a few questions that were posted in the Discord, um, mm-hmm. and. Our first question comes from Brian Donlin, and they ask, is anyone worried about getting replaced by cheaper overseas design talent? It's happening more and more in engineering and software development, and I feel like it's only a matter of time for us. Hmm. I think this is, this is definitely a good question. I think it's also like, it's also kind of piggybacks off the whole AI. Like, right. Will we get replaced by robots? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? I do. I I do have some thoughts about this. I I mean I've been thinking about like the whole AI thing as well as, you know, the outsourcing idea. And I feel like, while companies short sightedly might see going overseas as being more economical, and better for their business i i just feel like you cannot compete with having 
a designer or an engineer on staff or nearby right speaking the same language yeah you know it's just i mean i've gone back and forth with with factories when it comes to inspects and things like that and it's it's a frustrating process it's like yeah you know and it and it almost feels like if this company were in america how long would this process take like would it would it be so back and forth or would it be it would it'd take a day to figure it out yeah it, but i mean it's also a problem especially in america going to manufacturing in china it's just a time difference thing right like you do have the language barrier but it's also like you have to wait 12 hours yeah. for their their work day yeah so it is a very slow process i do think there's a lot of so i think one concern uh, so this was posted in the Discord, and people were commenting on it. One one idea they were talking about is having the industrial designers closer to the manufacturing actually is beneficial. Right. Um, being able to have the designer there, you know, if you outsourced all of your design and engineering to China, like the entire product development, then it is all contained. Right. Um, and it's even more contained than, you know, maybe some of the U.S. people. Yeah. Because um, it's right next to the factory. And I don't know. It's it's gonna be really interesting to kind of see see how it evolves in the future. Yeah. I know. I know one thing. I, I forget where I saw this, but I believe the uh, the industrial giant jobs in China have grown exponentially. Right. Like there's a lot of industrial designers in China that we yeah. you know we obviously don't even hear from. Yeah. Um, yeah. They never return our phone calls. <laughs> I call them every day. I'm like, how you guys doing? <laughs> um, but I, you know, I've started to see like Behance projects and right. and Instagram. Like, there's some there's some really great talent over there. Yeah, and it's like it's true. Like, you guys, if you wanna if you wanna keep getting a job, you better be on your game. Right. Um. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely competitive. I mean, the American industrial design, you know, industry itself is just competitive. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I wonder about that. And well, the other thing is, is that how how much longer is China going to be the, the manufacturing, manufacturing hub? It's yeah, I mean, it's it's moving. I I think it is moving a bit away from that. Yeah, it's going to be pushed off to to some of the other countries, maybe India and Africa and some of those places. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a fast moving thing. I mean, this is why I'm so interested in things like 3D printing and, you know, rapid manufacturing becoming manufacturing. Right. Because then like the only reason why this is at all a worry is because of the fact that the manufacturing is in China. Yeah. Because if it were not, if it were in America, we wouldn't be worried about this right. necessarily. And so I, I just think that it's like it's kind of a moving target. Like you can't really predict what is going to happen because, like, how yeah, how much longer is China going to be the manufacturing hub, and can we in America figure out an economical way to manufacture yeah. here? I think I think we'll get there. And um, yeah, and yeah, I don't. I also don't want to worry the students. <laughs> no, I, I think I mean you do need to to be aware but it it it's not something i don't think is going to happen anytime soon right but it's just going to be a movement and i think to your point 
the proximity thing is still very valuable just to have, you know, U.S. companies can have an in-house designer, and that is a very valuable asset. Yeah. I don't think we're going to move away from that anytime soon until we get to virtual reality. Right. And then it'll be more ambiguous, but... I don't know. That was a good question. Definitely, yeah. definitely let us know your thoughts in the Discord it's, if you have yeah, more thoughts thought, on that. Definitely thought provoking. Um, all right, we got another question. You want to read this one? Yeah, sure. Marvell asks Your thoughts on design that leads to a cult following? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? Does it matter? Design that leads to a cult following? I mean, there's always, there's the one company I think of Apple. Yeah. That's a pretty big cult following. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, is it a good thing, a bad thing? I think probably a little both, right? Right. Um, obviously, as a like, if you are a part of the design team, like that's great. Like, you created a design that was so amazing that people like have a cult following around your company. Right. Um, is it a bad thing? There might be some some negatives to that. I know that. Obviously, when you when you and I fanboy out, or you you I fanboy out, you just critique my fanboy. Yeah, I, you know I go easy in Apple because I am a fanboy, and their products I really like their products, and sometimes I do kind of put my biases in and overlook some of the flaws that Apple has. Right. So, I mean, I think for I think a company that has achieved cult a cult following has done so through like very authentic means. Yeah. That's the thing about like the whole cult following phenomenon. It's like, whether it's a band, a movie, a, you know, a product it's, it's because the story of the people who created it is captivating in the sense that everything feels like an authentic endeavor an endeavor that is, you know, it's not being, it's not being pressured by anything other than creating a quality product. Yeah, for sure. And you can't, um, you can't half ass it. It's not going to work. No. So I feel like it's actually, I mean, if you, I feel like many companies probably try to achieve that cult following because, you know, you want people to think that you're authentic in your endeavor to make good product. That's It's kind of a uh, counterintuitive. It's like, if you're trying to like hack it or form a cult following, yeah, it's actually detrimental to your right. Following. It's 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 much better just work slow, build a great product, and then you're just it is what it is. You've yeah. built the rock solid foundation, right? Because it's like Apple. We all know how Steve Jobs was yeah. and unflinching in the pursuit of creating just great product like that was it that was the byline like there was nothing else more important and so because of that it led to you know just the admiration of apple right now whether it still feels that way under the current regime right you know that's that's up for debate and that's where like Google is really interesting because it does feel like there's this really authentic pursuit to do something like very human yeah. in terms of tech. It's it's weird though. It's, I mean, here's my bias again, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like Google d- doesn't 
have as much as that of that authentic story as Apple does mm. Cause it, <sighs> because it because it started out as a huge company that yeah. started a hardware division. Yeah, it just doesn't have that like garage story. Yeah, and you know whether you like it or not that that origin story is a big part of a cult following type of you know endeavor i think right is there another tesla has a big cult following that's true but like, they, i don't feel like they have that a huge origin story around that they don't no i think i think the that's thing a, that's a good point i feel like the thing that people loved about tesla was like i feel like it was almost it was almost coincident with where pop culture was at the time because marvel and iron man like everybody started calling i don't know who did it first but people started calling like elon musk like he's tony like a stark. real life tony stark yeah and i feel like maybe it was just that the stars aligned in terms of like culture and then this 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 like entrepreneur coming out yeah and so like is that is that like because of that association is that why we like elon musk that's interesting i feel like yeah you're right there i mean well there's i guess that's a good point because there's just a lot of factors that go into building that call following yeah um i know that's a great question though marvell i we're not any professionals over here able to answer that but it's yeah it's something for sure that's i mean get, getting me thinking to get on the other side of it of the like if it's a bad thing right i think maybe it could be considered a bad thing because of the unflinching support right of people who follow along right. who are saying like oh i'll love apple whatever they do exactly i'll love tesla whatever he does right. you know um and so that can be detrimental. I feel like my mic, oh, my mic is falling off the table. Oh, Jesus, mic's falling off. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that that can be, you know, sort of a detriment. Just. Is it still falling, James? Is it good? It's it's fine. I'll, I've got it. Okay. I've got it. Don't worry about it. I'll just hold it. Um, but yeah, that can be detrimental, I guess, to the customer because eventually they're not like, holding the company accountable maybe for for things that they yeah. wouldn't have been so keen on right before from other companies especially yeah 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 i mean you know this is yeah for sure I, everyone's gonna have their kind of favorites and and you know favorite one side or the other so yeah but i do that, think that it's the detriment but right but i do think that it matters it obviously matters like every brand wants that every consumer facing brand wants that they mm -hmm. want that story they want that like they want the nike story of yeah. the you know the the coach the coach at uh whatever college for it sure was. yeah i mean you every they, everyone they want wants... the garage tech story they want yeah for they sure. want the rags to riches story it's, it's just a classic success story yes um yeah, let us know what you guys think in the Discord and if you have any more thoughts on that. That's great. Yeah. Great question, Marvell. Mm -hmm. um, shout out of the week. Shout out of the week. We got Hudson Rio. Hudson Rio Design on Instagram. And um, Hudson has been absolutely killing it yeah. on the Inktober front. Now, if you don't We're know... coming to the end of Inktober. Yeah. I've been, I've been very much trying to finish this one because did you have you done every week or every I've, day? i haven't i've i've done like 
every other day or every couple days, I have caught up on what I've okay. missed okay. out on. It's not perfect, but I'm trying. You know, it's tough. And it Hudson is hard. Rio has been absolutely killing it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's... Ooh, un- I, like, I like this uh, Xbox controller. Yeah. I don't know if he's unemployed right now, but if he's not, then that means that he is taking <laughs> extra time out of his day to just crank out some amazing sketches. Yeah, these, this is some good classic ID sketching. I would love to just like find out how much time this is taking him. Um, because like the sketch work with each, because every one includes multiple concepts and then one is rendered out. Yeah. And the line work, everything on each concept is just like, is beautiful. Yeah, if you want if you want some delicious sketches. It's like the the height of digital digital sketching. Right. Like this is this is a masterclass in that. So ch- check out Hudson that is at Hudson Rio Design. Mm-hmm. And we'll link to Hudson's Instagram on the website and stuff like that. But Yeah. Um but yeah, uh shout out to Kyoshi's Kid for the of intro and outro. Of course. Um, you know, you guys know what to do. Rate five stars on Apple. Subscribe Google. on YouTube. Oh, hey, we made it first dollar on YouTube. Yeah, we did. Last week we we got over a thousand, which means we can monetize. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you meant over a thousand dollars. Yeah, we didn't even come close <laughs> oh, to no. that. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, we we are able to monetize now. So, um, but very little. So buy a pen. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, subscribe, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Um, and if you can just leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps us out. Yeah. Um, it boosts those ratings. Yeah. And um, but yeah, and join the Discord. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, I'm at Nick P. Baker. I'm at I Draw on Receipts. Peace out. Later. <laughs>